Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories. Thanks for joining me on Special Edition. I'm Paula Dagnan. This week, your invitation to the upcoming Scranton Jazz Festival. How about your emotional well-being? 99 tips to help you save money coming your way. And we're starting off today with Pennsylvania long-term care advocates who worked together to show the need and gathered in Harrisburg recently to commend the members of the state legislature and the governor for making it happen. To explain it all, Zach Schamberg, president and CEO, Pennsylvania Healthcare Association. Zach, welcome. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And you had a very exciting, positive week. You were in Harrisburg. There were things that were signed. But before we get into that, can you give us a little bit of the background as to how all of this that we're going to talk about came about? Sure. And we did have a a very big, important week for long-term care in Pennsylvania, and not just for nursing homes, but for personal care and assisted living as well. This has really been an effort months in the making. Ever since Governor Wolf introduced his budget proposal for fiscal year 2022-2023, we, our members, really the industry, have been working to ensure that providers, workers, and residents are prioritized in this year's budget. And that means adequate funding. That means giving providers the ability to invest in their caregivers, to recruit more caregivers to the front lines, and ultimately meet the operational demands that today's environment demands of them. And we've been working throughout the last few months to ensure that that takes place, that there is that investment. Over the last two years, and really at the height of the COVID-19 pandemic, long-term care was prioritized. But in 2020, it was with CARES Act dollars. And in 2021, it was American Rescue Plan dollars. Both critical, both important, but both one-time stimulus funding efforts that had to be tied directly to the pandemic. What we ultimately want for the industry in Pennsylvania. And what the industry ultimately needs is sustainability. And I'm very proud to say that last week when the state budget was signed, that's exactly what providers were given. Now that that has happened and you've been working for this, what exactly is it going to mean to consumers? Exactly what it's going to mean is that sustainability and that availability of continuity of care. 
what we want to ensure is that nursing homes, personal care homes, assisted living communities remain viable, that they can recruit more staff to the front lines, that they can invest in their current staff, that they can meet operational demands, and that they can continue to keep a promise that we've made to vulnerable senior citizens and adults with disabilities all throughout the state of Pennsylvania, that if you do not have personal funds set aside, that we will be able to care for you whether it's Medicare at the federal level or Medicaid at the state level. And ultimately, what last week's state budget means is that we're going to be able to keep that promise, that we're going to be able to provide continuity of care, and we're going to be able to care for seniors and adults with disabilities, not just today or tomorrow, but in five years, in 10 years, and in 15 years. Now, there's a lot more work that needs to be done, but this is a very, very important, a very vital step to ensuring that continuity of care. And when you're talking about that, again, for the benefit of our listeners, it's actually a lot of it's coming down, of course, to money. So where will all of those funds be going? And one of the biggest things was the Medicaid rate increase. So wherever you would like to start there, Zach, that would be great. Yeah, well, and, and that's the, the most important part of this year's budget. When we talk about really prioritizing long-term care, that's exactly what the General Assembly, members of the House and Senate, and Governor Tom Wolf did. They prioritized long-term care. So not only is there a Medicaid increase, Medicaid rate increase for nursing homes, the first since 2014, nearly 10 years in the making, there are American Rescue Plan funds set aside for nursing home providers, for assisted living and personal care homes, for providers who operate vent units. There's an SSI rate increase for personal care homes. And all this is going to go to ensure that continuity of care and to the workforce. So what we have been advocating for since the governor's budget proposal is really three things when looking at a rate increase and looking at those ARP funds. One, it's investing in current workers. It's raising wages. It's offering benefits, bonuses, incentives, ensuring that we can keep our workers on the front lines and ensuring that we're not losing frontline caregivers to hospitals, to physicians' offices, to physicians offices, to other service industries, that they're remaining in long-term care. Two is recruiting more workers to the front lines or recruiting workers back that we may have lost to staffing agencies or, again, other industries. And then, again, it's investing in the care that we provide. It's upgrading our facilities. It's investing in technology. It's ensuring that we can remain valuable to our seniors and meeting the demands that our seniors have, again, not just today or tomorrow, but in the years to come. And in the years to come... You had made comments about what can be expected as far as those numbers are concerned. Would you share some of those with our listeners today? And Paul, when you talk about that, are you referring to the funding that was allocated or the pure um increase in the, our aging population in the years to come? Well, I think probably the starting with the aging population, because I Sometimes don't think that people really put a number on it, but 
I'm not going to say it. You tell us how many people from Pennsylvania are expected to need long-term care in the next 20 to 30 years. Well over a million in the next 20 to 30 years. And again, we have a promise or we've made a promise to our aging population in this state. Pennsylvania is one of the oldest states in terms of our population in the entire country. And our fastest growing demographic is age 85 and older. We need to ensure that we can care for our residents today, tomorrow, and in the years to come. But looking down the road at the next 20 to 30 years with well over 1 million seniors who are going to need this care. Just looking at the next two to three years where we're anticipating the silver tsunami, the baby boomers who are going to age into the demographic most in need of long-term care, that's what's most important about what took place last week and throughout the last few months with the state budget, that that critical step was taken, that initiative was made so that we're going to be as an industry, as the long-term care continuum, in a good, positive position to be able to care for our residents. And that's why I thought that was important, because I don't think that sometimes people realize that that is going to be happening because so many say, well, it's not me yet, but... <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And, and not only that, it may not just be, it may not be me yet, but I'd venture to say that your listeners know someone who may be in long-term care today. Your listeners may know someone who will soon need long-term care in the days, weeks, months, or years to come. Speaking from personal experience, my grandfather has been in long-term care throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. It's, it's hard in Pennsylvania to walk down the street and not see someone who has been touched by this personally in one way or another. And it's always important to note that we need to be looking at this and the strengthening of this continuum, not just today or tomorrow, but in the years to come. And it's not only the elderly population, you could end up in long-term care before you're considered in that area because of anything else that could happen. That's exactly right. And and I brought up a little bit earlier some of the American Rescue Plan funds going to providers who offer ventilator services. And it's important to note that just a few months ago, we made the trip down to Warrington in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, to announce the closure of a nursing home. And it just so happens that that nursing home was purely a ventilator facility. They cater specifically to residents who need ventilator care. And we were announcing that that facility would be closing, that nearly 50 residents would have to find somewhere else to be cared for. That may mean traveling hundreds of miles. That may mean going out of state, if you can believe it. And that really sounded the alarm. We believe to many lawmakers, to many state leaders, that we can't allow our nursing homes and our specialty facilities to be closing their doors at this time. We should be opening new avenues to care, not turning away vulnerable seniors, adults with disabilities, or anyone who might need these services. And it wasn't just Pennsylvania Healthcare Association. You had others that were helping in this fight. This was really a a historic year in terms of partnerships. And in years past, 
one association would be advocating for this initiative, another association would be advocating, and there would be multiple, multiple advocates all sharing essentially the same message. And really throughout the pandemic, we determined and we realized that our industry has to come together. There's no PHCA, there's no other associations. It's really the industry that needs to work as one. And that's exactly what we did. For the first time ever, we teamed up with SEIU Healthcare PA, which represents many workers throughout Pennsylvania. We teamed up with Leading Age PA, another long-term care association. And we worked together. We worked with state leaders. We worked with the governor. We worked with the governor's administration to really see this and to really make this initiative come to fruition. And we were very, very proud to lead that charge and to work with others. Again, after what we saw throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, it really became apparent that we needed to work together, that the industry needed to come together so that we could ensure we had support for our providers, our workers, and our residents. And again, that was a very, very proud initiative for us. And for the benefit of our listeners, can you just give us a little bit of insight into Pennsylvania Healthcare Association? Because I think we hear you now, you're here with us, but you're always there. And maybe people don't even realize that that's who you are and what you do. Yeah, of course. So the Pennsylvania Healthcare Association, or PHCA, is a statewide advocacy organization. And we represent long-term care in Pennsylvania. We represent, as I've, I've already noted, providers, workers, and most importantly, the vulnerable residents and the adults with disabilities that they serve. We represent nursing homes, personal care homes, and assisted living, living communities throughout Pennsylvania. More than 450 facilities fall under the PHCA umbrella. And really, we have been, certainly over the last two years, the conduit between our healthcare heroes, our providers, and our workers on the front lines, and our state leaders here in Harrisburg to share what resources are needed, to share what support is needed. And we've been very, very proud to do that. Our role has never been more important in Pennsylvania than it's been over the past two years. Along those lines, people who have the opportunity to have started with long-term care insurance, are they going to see any impact with what has happened now? In the budget? Well, not necessarily directly with long term care insurance. And what we're finding with long term care insurance is that that has really become in Pennsylvania a broken system. It's too expensive. There are not many enrollees. And that is something that we hope to tackle in the years to come here in Pennsylvania because we need a robust long term care insurance system. Now, what I will say is while they may not see the benefits directly in terms of what they are paying into the system. They'll most likely see the benefits from the continuity of care, from staff who are there day in and day out in a facility. They're going to see that sustainability. They're going to see that continuity. They're going to see more and more staff hopefully return to the resident bedside. And that's going to be really important. I know, as you said, that you and the organization of Pennsylvania Healthcare have been working on this now. It just didn't come about overnight. But what I'm wondering is, did it become more important, if you want to use that word, to 
more people when they actually saw during COVID and the whole beginning of the pandemic, what was happening? Did that really shine a light on everything and say, oh, that's what's happening. Zach, you've been talking about this for how long? Now we see it. It it did. You're exactly right. And it's important to note that many of the challenges that we've talked about this morning, many of the challenges that we've described to lawmakers existed long before the COVID-19 pandemic began, whether it's the regulatory environment, the legal environment, the funding challenges, or the workforce shortage, which has now become a crisis. The COVID-19 pandemic, because long-term care really became the epicenter of that pandemic, The COVID-19 pandemic shone that bright light on long-term care and on the entire continuum. And it really provided us or an association like ours with a microphone or a bullhorn, but it was incumbent on us to use it and to really sound the alarm in terms of the support and resources that I'm very proud to say that we did just that and we wouldn't let our state officials, our elected leaders forget that long-term care needed that support. And we've asked throughout the last few months, it's really been the tagline of our entire campaign, who will care? And that's a really important question. You know, we talk about nursing homes closing. If that happens, who will care for our most vulnerable residents? And we've seen throughout the past few months, especially in early 2022, when hospitals reached capacity because they couldn't discharge their residents to long-term care because long-term care truly did not have enough staff to care for new residents. If that continues to happen, who in Harrisburg will care enough to step up and do something about it? That's the question that we've asked throughout the last few months. And I think it's safe to say when we ask who will care, Last week showed that we have many, if not every member of the General Assembly, as well as Governor Tom Wolf, who do care and who did something about it. And gee, that means both sides of the aisle as well. That's exactly right. And and in today's political environment, as you know, as your listeners probably know, it's very rare that Republicans and Democrats, members of the House and Senate, the General Assembly and the governor come together to agree on something and to prioritize something. But that's exactly what they did this year with long-term care. And it really shows that recognition. It shows that groundswell of support. And again, we've been very, very proud to help lead that effort in Harrisburg. Zach, is there anything that you uh, haven't been able to mention or that you would like to reiterate for our listeners today? Again, I think that this year's state budget was a recognition. It was an investment that long-term care needed. It is a very critical step. It's a very important step. We believe it's the first step on the path to sustainability. And we'll continue to advocate for long-term care providers, workers, and residents in the weeks, months, and years to come. Thanks once again to Zach Schamberg, President and CEO, Pennsylvania Healthcare Association. Coming up next, we're going to talk about your emotional well-being and maybe some of the 99 tips that we'll share to help you save money might help yours. That's next on Special Edition. 
Welcome back to Special Edition. Get out your pencil and paper. Some of the 99 tips to help you save money are coming up. But we're going to start off with Dawn Webster, Advanced Practice Clinician Director with MedExpress. She has a question. Do you have emotional well-being? She's going to tell you how you can find out. Dawn, emotional well-being, what a topic. And you have information about how we can achieve this or how we just keep what we have. So um, emotional well-being is something that has kind of been in the spotlight the last two years because of COVID and isolation and everything. So it's a little bit of kind of bringing more awareness to it. And what exactly does that mean? Happiness? Sure. So emotional well-being is the ability to produce positive emotions, moods, thoughts, feelings, when you are confronted with stressful situations. So it's essentially being positive and having that positive outlook and being able to process through um, negative or stressful situations. Oh, wow. That's that's sometimes very difficult and it goes above and beyond just dealing with the COVID situation. So how do we where do we start? Essentially, emotional well-being is looking at everything. So it's going to take into consideration your physical, your mental, everything. So they say that in order to to increase your emotional well-being, you really do have to have a holistic approach. So it starts with the simple things like exercise and diet. So everyone knows that exercising even just 15 to 20 minutes a day is going to increase that serotonin and give you those feelings of happiness and give you energy. And so, you know, it starts with making sure you're getting exercise and eating a well-rounded, balanced diet that's going to help your body to be able to support that exercise. So it's, it's as basic as, you know, eating vegetables, taking your vitamins, getting exercise, but then it also looks into the deeper part of it and things like avoiding burnout at work or avoiding burnout at home for those that don't work. Well, that's the tough part. Because again, we all have so many things that we're dealing with and now extra money situations. And how do you train your thinking to get out of that path and not necessarily even be happy, but just put a positive spin on it? Sure. So it's very natural to feel stress, anxiety, worry, especially with everything that's happened recently. So there are some things they, you know, some general tips that they recommend. So one of them is to take a break from news, even social media. So it's good to be informed. It's good to know what's going on in the world. But a couple times a day or even for a day or two a week to disconnect from from those sad or anxiety-provoking stories. So that's one of the ways. And then also making sure you're getting enough sleep at night. So the if you're not getting enough sleep, your body isn't going to be able to handle that stress as it as it should be. So another thing that people often overlook is sleep. And unfortunately, it, it's a cycle. So if you're anxious or stressed out, it's hard to fall asleep. And then the less sleep you get, the more stressed and anxious you get. So, it, you know, it, it's one of those things that you really have to get to the root cause of it and try to start from the ground up. All right. Well, I understand the social media. I even understand shutting off the news. But Dawn, we have to admit it. 
there are sometimes people that we encounter that you can't shut off. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. how do you handle that situation? So if it's at home, it's a little bit different. But one of the, the great things is leave work at work, leave home at home. So essentially every day is a new day. So when you get to work, if you're fighting with your spouse, your significant other, if you had a rough morning, uh, the family didn't sleep well last night, try to leave that at home. When you get to work, start fresh. Same with work. If you have a bad day at work, if, you know, it was just a long, stressful day, when you get home, try not to bring that home with you. Try to leave that at work. And really try to separate the two areas if you can. And it goes the same for kids that are in school. If they have a bad day at school, try not to bring that home with them. And it's tough with kids. Kids are having enough, you know, trouble dealing with the emotions that they're not quite sure how to handle as it is. So, um, you know, by having those conversations with them and telling them, you know, you had a bad day at school, but you're not at school anymore. You're at home. Let's start over again. You know, let's let's do something fun. Let's take your mind off of it. And I guess... And I believe this, that when you're under those kind of duress conditions, it does affect not only your mental health, but your physical health as well. Absolutely. So there are so many studies that show that people catch more colds, they they feel more sick um, when they are stressed out. And it truly does go back to, like I said, the root cause of everything. Um, your emotional well-being can play a huge role in your actual physical health. So, um, like I said, you really need to try to start looking into it, recognizing it before it gets bad. So, um, you know, some of the warning signs to look at is if you feel like you're working too much, you're not taking the time to socialize or relax, if you realize that you're starting to um, lose those close relationships with friends, you're not you know, in those relationships anymore, or even if you're just one of those types of people that are just taking on too many responsibilities. So, you know, you can't say no to other people. Those are all signs that you're going to end up in a burnout, bad emotional well-being situation. We've realized that. Now, where do we turn for help? Okay. So best place to always start would be your family doctor. They can kind of give you um, a questionnaire, questionnaire, they can have a conversation and find out truly how bad it is. Is it something that, you know, you can talk through, you can rationalize to, to start changing things, to make changes in your life to help? Or do you need to start seeing a, a psychiatrist or psychologist to truly get to the root cause of it? Is it impacting your, your activities of, of life? Are you unable to function? Are you unable to go to work because of it? So starting with a family doctor or a pediatrician for kids is a great place to start. And then before you get there, so say you call and you have, you know, two weeks before that appointment. So then that's when you need to start looking at things you can do for yourself at home before getting in or even after as just kind of adjunct therapy. Talking to someone, especially someone who doesn't have an axe to grind in your entire makeup and everyone else, that can really help. Yes, yes, yeah. So those meaningful relationships are so important. And one of the other cycles that starts is people who feel they're too busy. So they're too busy to make plans with their friends or family. And it just, it keeps cycling. They have no one to talk to, no one to release, you know, those negative feelings with. And then it just keeps on getting worse and worse. All right. So for the last word, what would you, what would you tell everyone? 
to sum it up, burnout and bad emotional well-being is not caused solely by stressful work situations or too many responsibilities. There are so many factors that contribute to it. So it's lifestyle, it's um, what you do in your downtime to relax, and it's also just how you handle and cope with overwhelming stresses and demands. So really the best way to kind of evaluate yourself is to take a step back and to look at how you're living your life. Are you taking time off? Are you getting enough sleep? Are you exercising? Is your diet okay? If those things aren't in place, then it's going to be really tough to have a good emotional well-being state of mind. So start from the bottom, work your way up. And if you're still feeling like you're not getting where you need to be, then you need to call your doctor. Thanks once again to Dawn Webster, Advanced Practice Clinician Director with MedExpress, taking a look at our emotional well-being. One of the things that might help your emotional well-being is saving money. Joining us now, Neil Wertheimer. He is the AARP Bulletin Deputy Director. And once again this year, they have come out with their 99 tips to help you save money. Neil joins us now. Get your pencil and paper handy because he's going to share some of those 99 tips with us. Hi, Paula. This is an unprecedented time. This is 40-year inflation high. So frugality is always important, but this is the moment we should all just be very actively pursuing a frugality mindset. So I have lots of ways to tell you about What are there, 99, you said? This is the 13th year we've done 99 great ways to save in the ARP Bulletin. Um, Let's start talking about energy because there's a lot of ways we waste energy. Yes. Uh, For example, few people know that when devices are turned off in your house, they're still drawing current. So unplug all those hot radios, all of those chargers, all those coffee makers that aren't in use. The Department of Energy says that we are spending $100 a year on electricity on items that are turned off, which is kind of shocking. The other thing I'm, I'm telling everyone is if you haven't switched to LED light bulbs, Now's the time. Their prices have plummeted. They use 9% less energy than old-fashioned incandescent light bulbs. And so that adds up to about $225 a year in electricity savings just by swapping out your light bulbs. Better, they last 5 to 10 years, so you're going to save on the light bulb costs. Last thing on energy I want to mention is windows. They are a problem in that if you just leave them open or exposed, you lose 30% of the cooling in the summer through the window. And in the winter, you know, they also are sucking out the energy. So there's all kinds of solutions to make your windows a little more efficient. There are energy efficient uh, blinds and shades. There are plastic films, outdoor shutters, Anything you can do to stop the heat transfer through the windows in your home can save you hundreds in a year as well. Well, Neil, now we're going to save our dollars and go to the grocery store. What do we do there? Rule number one is before you go to the grocery store, eat up last week's groceries. It's shocking that Americans throw out 30% of the food that they buy. So there's a couple tactics. If, If grocery shopping day is, say, Saturday, 
either Thursday or Friday night, make a dinner out of whatever's left in the refrigerator, be it a soup or a stir fry. Also designates a place in your refrigerator that's called Eat Right Now. It's that old nub of cheese. It's those two apples that are just about ready to return and be a little soft. Eat this now place. It triggers to you that let's consume what we bought before we move forward. When you get to the store, planning is everything. If you shop from a list, then you stop all of those impulse buys. And by the way, use the self-checkout because research shows that you do less impulse buying when you actually check yourself out at the self-checkout. Finally, and most of all, you got to be a tactical shopper, meaning you use the in-store coupons, you use the digital coupons. If you use the coupons, if you look for manager specials, if you look for those tags on the shelf that say on sale for half price, right there you can save 20 to $40 every shop. Now we're going to save all that money and put it toward vacation. Well, the golden rule of saving money on vacation is just to go off season. That beach house in April or October is so much less expensive than in July or August. Plus, the beaches are empty, the restaurants are less crazy. It's a better time to have a vacation anytime, and you'll save 30 or 40% right there. Apply that strategy to weekend fun. Have your weekends on Wednesday and Thursday. Finally, consider leaving that car at home. By going to cities with good public transportation or destinations where you don't need a car, can save you many hundreds. So car rentals are really at a high price right now. So now we have these subscription services. Most of the subscription streaming services are paid by the month, which means you can, without any penalty or any hassle, turn them on and off each month. Find that streaming service you love and turn it off for a couple months and turn on one that you haven't watched for a while binge on that for a couple months, and only have one on at a time, particularly with music services, get the family plan and share it with five or six people. As long as they pay their part, you'll pay a fraction of the cost that six of you share one account. How about credit cards? Focus on the areas you spend most. So say it's groceries. Go online, find a credit card that will give you 5% cash back on grocery purchases. And suddenly your card is paying you to use it when you use, when you go shop for groceries. So where can we read all 99 of those tips? It's the July-August of the AARP Bulletin, or you can go online. It's aarp.org slash ways to save. Thanks once again to Neil Wertheimer, AARP Bulletin Deputy Editor, with some of the 99 tips that they've come up with to help you save money. And of course, you can see all 99 at aarp.org. Now, don't go away. When we come back, your invitation to the upcoming Scranton Jazz Festival is next. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome back to Special Edition. Once again, another great weekend coming up here in Northeast Pennsylvania, surrounded with great things to do and great music to listen to. The Scranton Jazz Festival will be happening, and Marco Marcinko now joins us with your invitation to the festival and all the details. Marco Marcinko, you have been doing music, wow, you must, when you came out of the womb, I think. Is that is that true? I come from a musical family, so there's a little bit of truth to that. But we were all, all, uh, all siblings were playing at a very young age. I think uh, there's photographs of me at four years old playing the drums or doing something. But yeah. For as long as I can remember. Yeah, I, I, I would think so, especially throughout our area. There are so many things you've been involved in. And now you're heading up the Lackawanna County Jazz Festival. What's all that about? Well, it's the Scranton Jazz Festival. And um, I'll tell you exactly what it's about. We're, we're in our 17th year. And uh, it's an annual event that always takes place. The first weekend of August, August 5, 6, and 7 this year. And it'll be in downtown Scranton, and we'll have over 23 various venues from restaurants to bars to uh, various establishments, businesses, all involved as part of the jazz festival where you could go and hear live music and just experience something that's similar to um being on Bourbon Street in New Orleans or being in the West Village, you know, where there's just music everywhere and people getting together and socializing and having a great time. So, um, again, 17 years for this. And um, this year, uh, we're going to have some wonderful headlining acts like the Four Freshmen, the legendary vocal group, and a wonderful group that does a uh, recreation of all Steely Dan's music called the Royal Scam. They're going to be there, the Scranton Jazz Festival Big Band, uh, the great blues man Bobby Kyle, and just many, 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 many great musicians. Uh, I think in years past, we've counted up to over 90 to 100 musicians are presented in one weekend. So there's, there's a lot for people to come and see in downtown Scranton. Yes, I should have said the Scranton Jazz Festival. So let's go back in time a little bit. 17 years for the yeah. Scranton Jazz Festival. Where did it get its start? Why? Okay. Well, it's a wonderful question, and it goes way, way back to a thing that was called the Summer Music Festival that Mayor Connors, Jimmy Connors, 
was a big advocate for. And it was at Neon Park and there were carnival rides and there were there was the showmobile and there was different music each day. Maybe one day had country music, one day had rock music, another day had jazz music. So it, it kind of comes from that. And when Jimmy Connors uh, left office and Chris Doherty came in, there was an empty year there where they didn't do the summer music festival. And some people started saying, oh, we should do the festival again. You know, we need, we need to have it. It was so much fun. So in, that's when uh, I was asked, you know, uh, my opinion on it. And, and I was an advocate for let's just do a jazz festival because I thought that it would be uh, a perfect niche thing for the area. Uh, we could get the support for it. And uh, lo and behold, 17 years ago, we did a, a one day event and a lot of people came out and it was at Hanlon's Grove at Neon Park where there was a big tent that was erected to do shows and various things of that nature. And uh, we stayed at Neon Park for several years and we had a, a weekend festival there. And then uh, a storm came along in February, it was around Valentine's Day, some many years ago. And this storm was so bad that the snow uh, destroyed the tent, the, the, the temporary sort of permanent structure tent that was there. and. Uh, that ended our run at Neon Park and we had to come up with another idea. So we moved into downtown Scranton and we located ourselves at the Radisson Hotel uh, where the train shed is. And um, we had that as a like amphitheater of sorts. And we did all our main stage acts there and we presented many Grammy award winning, amazing artists over the years. And now post COVID, quick history there, when we had the, when we had the COVID stop and pause on everything, we didn't do it in 2020. So when we came back in 2021, we made it more about the downtown and the venues in the downtown. So the restaurants and the bars could benefit from, you know, uh, people coming and patronizing, listening to the music and, you know, buying food and drink and so on. So um, that's where we come to today in year 2022. Our 17th year will be throughout the downtown and we'll have a main stage at the Ritz Theater hosting the Scranton Jazz Festival Big Band on Sunday, August 7th with the four freshmen and on Saturday night, August 6th with the Royal Scan. Amazing how you go from one location to another and everybody knows exactly where you are. And it, yeah. it also reminds me of like the first Fridays because there are a lot of things that happen at different venues. So can you give us a little bit of a rundown of where I know you mentioned the Ritz, but where else will some of the venues be? OK, well, we work in coordination with uh, first Friday, so I'm glad you you brought that up because just on the Friday alone, that's when such a large number of the venues are involved. And I can tell you, you know, I'll even say it, I could list it alphabetically because I have it memorized now after booking the musicians in the various places and what have you. We have a Dezo uh, coffee house, which is in that wonderful alleyway on Center Street Court near the Hilton. So uh, the Ken Marquis uh, Art and Frame building. So Adezo's involved, the Backyard Ale House, they're always involved. Those guys do a great job over there. And Barpazo on North Washington Avenue is involved. Bartari, they're new to us this year. They're coming on board. 
and they're going to have live music on Friday and Saturday. And uh, they're right there on the corner of Adams and Lackawanna. The Bog, of course, they've been a staple right from the beginning, uh, going all the way back to when Brian Craig was involved with them. So the Bog on Adams Avenue will have music on Friday and Saturday. Catch 21 is coming on board this year. And that sits on the corner of North Washington and Linden. And they're going to have music. Commonwealth Coffee, the coffee house over there by um, Lackawanna and uh, Penn, right across from the marketplace at Steamtown. Uh, the Fidelity Bank Lobby on North Washington Avenue. There's a business that doesn't necessarily have uh, a bar in it, obviously, <laughs> but they're going to be involved and they're going to probably do something nice uh, to cater to the audience. Uh, the Garden. The new location on North Washington Avenue in the Alexander uh, Spa Building. They're involved. Lavish. That's uh, Hadley. That's my dog Hadley barking. That's uh, because, lavish. That's because that's because he wants to go. Yeah, he was <laughs> raring to go. I got two beagles raring to go all the time. Hadley, come here. So um, lavish is on. Uh, let's see, Adams is yeah Adams and. And Biden Way, um, North, Northern Light Espresso Bar on, on Biden Way, uh, the Marketplace at Steamtown and Peculiar Kitchen, the Art Room and Fork and Bowl. All three venues will have uh, music on the sidewalk on Penn Avenue. PJ's Pub at the Hilton Hotel will have music. Trax Radisson uh, Patio will have music. The Rail Yard. Uh, right across the street from the Radisson will have music. Courthouse Square is going to have music uh, by way of the Recovery Bank. The Ritz Theater, which we mentioned earlier, they're going to have uh, some music on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then the Scranton Cultural Center is going to be involved with their outdoor sidewalk on Friday and Saturday. And then finally, but not least, is the 500 block of Lackawanna. And that's a uh, 500 Renaissance and that's right on Lackawanna Avenue where the big John Lennon mural is and there's going to be music in there. So it's a lot of places that you could hear and witness uh, live music over the course of August 5th, 6th and 7th. And as you're going through that list, I'm sure that our listeners are saying, wait a minute, Mark, back up, make well, wait up. I missed that one. So where can they get all the information at their fingertips? At their fingertips, they could go to their device and type in www.scrantonjazzfestival.org. Scrantonjazzfestival.org. Ticket information is there. The map information of all the locations. The artists that are going to be playing in the locations are listed there. Everything that you want. It's almost like the virtual program book on your phone. Our sponsors are listed there as well. And, you know, without saying all the sponsors' names, I would just say, please check out the sponsor page on the website so you could see all of these wonderful businesses and individuals that contribute to the Jazz Festival to make it happen for our area. I mean, that's super important. Without sponsorship, there would be no way to pull off a big festival like this. And as far as tickets are concerned, are they needed for all of the venues or some of the venues? Well, Friday is completely free for the public. So we make it very accessible and we make it like as a part of First Friday. 
we make it completely free to the public. Saturday, there will be a main stage event. If you want to go and see the Royal Scam at the Ritz Theater, there is a ticket price. It's on the website. And if you want to go to the Ritz Theater on Sunday to see the great Scranton Jazz Festival Big Band with the legendary Four Freshmen group, you will have to pay a ticket for that. Other than that, you could go to all of these venues and you could, you know, hear some great live music without any cost. Well, I'll tell you, it sounds like it's going to be a wonderful weekend. A lot of music in downtown Scranton. A lot of folks are going to be, I'm sure, coming to all of the different events. So, Marco, I'm going to turn the microphone over to you, as I like to do here on Special Edition, and have you issue the official invitation of the where, the what, the when, the Scranton Jazz Festival. Take it away. (laughs) Paula, thanks. Well, I, you know, this festival would not happen without the wonderful sponsorship that I mentioned earlier, but also with all the volunteers that contribute to the weekend that help us out in so many locations. And our, we sell merchandise and T-shirts and we need staffing for all of that. So we have wonderful committee and staff with Larry Pugliese, Gina Svoboda, and uh, Jimmy Langan and Jennifer Terrell. And then, of course, our, our wonderful executive director is Sarah Efforts. And so we also have a beautiful uh, board of directors that is, you know, behind the scenes contributing in so many different ways. There's, there's just so many names. So, again, the website will, will tell you a lot of the, lots of stuff that, you, that you're looking to find out. But just a thank you to those, those people as well. Please come to the 17th Annual Scranton Jazz Festival in downtown Scranton on August 5, 6, and 7. If you want more information on tickets and the locations of all the various venues in downtown Scranton, please visit www.scrantonjazzfestival.org. Hope to see everyone there. And I thank you for Paula for this interview and for promoting our wonderful event the scranton jazz festival thanks for listening to special edition a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning right now families and small businesses can save up to 20 percent versus at&t and verizon when they switch visit your local t-mobile store today plan savings with three lines of t-mobile essentials versus comparable available plans plan features and taxes and fees may vary oh, 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 O'Reilly. protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with mobile one at o'reilly auto parts Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. 
Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.